Charlotte, North Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. Some of the content in this sermon is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Come on, if you feel it, you might as well go ahead. Come on. Dancing to a song that says, Speak the name. Speak the name where the winds and the waves they obey this name. Y'all, I like y'all don't understand. There's, there's no other name, no other name, no other name like that name Jesus. No other name like that name Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Mm. Come on, I'm talking about if you want your situation to change, I dare you to call on that name, that name, that name, that name, that name. That name, it's only that name, that name. No other name but the name of Jesus. Jesus. All right, don't start. Don't start that, don't start I wish somebody would help me call on that name. Jesus. Come on. It's Jesus. this name that demons tremble at. Jesus. 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 That's the lamb that Jesus. was slain. Oh, that's the Jesus. lamb that was slain for you and I. Jesus. He's the son of the living God. Jesus. He's the savior of the whole world. Jesus. Your redeemer and my redeemer. He's the God that healeth thee. Your Bible tells me that he's the Prince of Peace. It says something like the wheel in the middle of the wheel. The Bible declares that he's Alpha and Omega. I wish I would go ahead and catch up. He's the first and he's the last. What? He's the beginning and he's the end. And he's all things in between. He's the creator of heaven and the earth. Oh, wonderful counselor. He's the rose of Sharon. Jesus. The lily Jesus. of the valley. Jesus. He's the bright and morning star. Jesus. Come on, this is Jesus. Jesus. He's God and Whoa. God alone. Jesus. He's all 
mighty, all-powerful. He's omniscient, omnipotent, and I'm not present. He is great and greatly to be praised. Do you do you hear the name that we're calling? the Messiah, the Anointed One, Jesus, I'm going to go back here, we said He's great, and He's greatly to be praised, the Bible declares that He's great, and He's greatly to be praised. He is God and beside him there is no other God beside him. He's God and God alone. He reigns and he has all power in his hand. Oh my God, my God. That shit, I wish there was a hallelujah. The highest praise to the most high God. The highest praise, hallelujah, to the most high God. We bless your name, God. Come on, give glory and honor to the name of Jesus. With the fruit of your lips, give glory and honor to the name of Jesus. Come on, give glory and honor to the name of Jesus. Bible lets us know that he bottles up every one of those tears. He captures those tears. I don't know about you, but who wouldn't serve a God like this? He's so mindful of us. He's so mindful of you. Chronicles chapter number 29, starting at verse number 10. If you have it, please say amen. Everybody should have it because it's on the screen. <laughs> First Chronicles chapter number 29, starting at verse number 10. Some of you may still be in worship with your head bowed down, wiping your face, crying. It's no biggie. And the word of our Lord God reads, it says, Wherefore, David, blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. 
But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thy own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners. As were all our fathers, our days on the earth are as a shadow and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in a house for thine holy name, cometh of thy hand and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things and now. Have I seen with joy thy people which are present here to offer willingly unto thee? O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the false, the heart of thy people. Prepare their heart unto thee. And give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes, and to do all these things and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. David said to all the congregation, Now bless the Lord your God. And all the congregation blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed down their heads and worshiped the Lord and the King. Come on, you can be seated in the presence of our living God. Tell somebody, bow down and worship. Yeah, my inspiration for my actual title came from praise and worship this morning. So, bow down and worship. And we're still in our current sermon series talking about prayer. This is why we pray. We're talking about all things prayer. And we've been speaking about prayer, the depths of prayer, understanding the inner workings of prayer and understanding postures of prayer. We're now on our final posture of prayer and we're talking about bowing down. Now bowing could be bowing of the knees or bowing of the head. You know? But we're talking about the posture of bowing before God. As we've been speaking about prayer, we understand prayer at its foundation, at its core. Prayer is simply communication. It's not monologue, but it's dialogue. We talk to God, God speaks back to us, vice versa, God talks to us and gives us an opportunity to speak back to Him. Now, if we go, well, we're just going to stick with what we've been doing. Most theologians debate whether or not in Genesis chapter number 3, if indeed this is the first prayer where God comes and He confronts Adam. Adam, where art thou? Right? So we see God is the one who initiated the conversation. And though God initiated, we see it is in confrontation. Right? But simply put, it is God speaking. And in like manner, he gave Adam an opportunity to speak back. So if indeed this is the first prayer, and when you take it a little bit further, after God checked them, both Adam and Eve, about their rebellion, he then presented the gospel example and begin to say hey a woman is going to have a seed there is going to be enmity between the woman's child and the serpent so most theologians debate whether or not this is the first account of prayer as well as the first account of the gospel being declared 
I can see it. All right? I can see it. Talking about this son, talking about Jesus who will bruise the head of the serpent, that being Lucifer or Satan. I can see it. Huh? So we see prayer. We see gospel being declared, right? So if that indeed is the first prayer, we see God initiated, but he gave Adam an opportunity to speak back to him. So prayer is not just you talking, but you give God an opportunity to speak back to you. Because we know God, when he comes, he's going to give you an opportunity to speak back. So at his foundation, prayer is simply communication. Communication, that being prayer, pushes us into communion which is what? Close relationship with God. So the more and more we communicate, it allows us to strengthen our relationship with God. And what we found now, as we look at prayer, if prayer is simply communication, we said what? Any relationship that you are engaged in, for those of us who are married, parents with children, co-workers, whatever the case may be, every relationship is strong. It is only as strong as the communication. So in other words, if there's little communication, then there's little strength in the relationship. Yeah, I'm a lion. Think about children, you know, and they, and, they, and they say, well, hey, my parents or my daddy, my mama, all they did was give me gifts, but they never spoke to me. And don't just think verbal language is the only language. For example, those of us who are married, we've learned something called the five love languages that speaks to the physical touch. That is a language. Uh, acts of kindness is a language. Giving of gifts is a language. Words of affirmation is a language. All these are different languages that speak. And as we talked about in the spiritual sense last Sunday, we talked about the S-E-X. Right? It incorporates more than just the physical component. It is a very spiritual act. Aside from worshiping God himself, talking about God, you are worthy, God, you are holy, all these things, hands outstretching, all these things. Sex is a very spiritual component, right? And we talked about how sex can be an acronym for sacred energy exchange, right? Or spiritual energy exchange. It's very spiritual. But in this one act, not only are you communicating with the physical, but you're communicating on a spiritual level. You're also communicating on an emotional level. That's why when you do wedding things, in the absence of wedding rings, <laughs> you're going to have problems. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me, but I'm going to talk to y'all. Say it again. When you do wedding things, meaning sex... The sex is meant for the marriage covenant. When you do wedding things without the wedding ring, mind you, I was just rushing. I left my home. <laughs> yes, I'm married. Well, mine right there on the front row. All right? When you do wedding things without the wedding ring, you're bringing trouble on yourself. So understand, it's a very, very spiritual act, right? So there are multiple ways to communicate other than just the verbal. Right, y'all have heard me. I talked about me. My love language is that of touch. I respond to touch. The physical touch, the verbal touch. Because you know you can rub somebody the wrong way with your words. For example, you say something, you rub me the wrong way. All you were initially saying was, hey, you you touched me with your crazy words. So I'm showing you how. 
at its core, prayer is nothing more than communication. And there are various ways that we got to communicate, right? And our relationships, the strength of every relationship is going to be based upon the communication, the communication. So we see prayer, communication pushes us into having communion, close relationship with God. It then pushes us into what? Community. You cannot have close relationship with God, meaning you cannot pray. Talk to God. God, talk back to you. You have, are developing your close relationship with God, and then you can't come out and have a relationship with people. Right. Oh, yeah. Because we've seen it. Folk will come out how they just came out of prayer, but you, you just as mean as all get out. How you just came out of prayer, and you still cannot say hello? So prayer at its foundation, communication, pushes you into communion, close relationship with God. Communion then pushes you into what? Community, that being a unified body. Not just in the church, but in your home it should be a unified body. In every relationship that you are a part of, it should be a unity there. Why? Because everything starts with communication. Communication. It's through communication that we are revealing who we are. For example, the Bible God's means of communicating, one of God, I'm going to say one of God's means, one of God's ways of communicating to us, right? He's revealing what? His nature and his character. So it's just like if my first time meeting Prophet Benita, hey, okay, let's put Titus aside. Hey, Benita, how are you? I'm Lincoln, how are you? Who are you? Okay, you see through this simple act of engaging communication, you see how we just reveal who we are? And the longer we engage or the more we engage, guess what? We're revealing more of our stories to one another. Hey, where are you from? I'm from the country. Oh, cool. I'm from Florida. Yeah, I'm from the bottom. You understand? You understand? So the more and more we talk, it gives us an opportunity to reveal ourselves. So understand, when we're praying and allowing God to speak to us, guess what? It's not that God doesn't know the issues that you're dealing with. He does. He does. So guess what? Most of us, when we go pray, we're revealing. We want God to do something, right? So we are revealing what we have going on. And then God in turn, in like manner, then comes to reveal who he is. He's revealing his nature and his character to us through prayer. So prayer, communication, pushes us into communion, close relationship with God, which pushes us into community, a unified body. Amen? Not just in the church, but in your home. Every relationship, there should be unity. Amen? So, this is why we pray. For example, when there's issues in your home, this is why we pray. When there's a problem in the marriage, this is why we pray. When you're dealing with sickness in your body, this is why we pray. When I have questions but don't have answers, this is why we pray. When I'm struggling with lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, or if I'm struggling with rebellion or pride, this is why we pray. So we're talking all things prayer. So in other words, it is imperative that you pray. There is no life without prayer. In other words, what am I saying? Jesus, although he was stressed out on the cross, he did not die until he stopped speaking. Once he stopped speaking, when he said, it is finished, and stopped speaking, that's when he died. Because he said, listen, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So if he would have kept talking, he just would have been up there. And then one of the soldiers would be like, go ahead and die, Jesus. You understand? So life is in you speaking. Now last Sunday we talked about, two power. 
Because the Bible says that you have power according to the book of Proverbs. The Bible says what? Death and life are in the power of your tongue. So you have power, but when we pray, we're not praying. Because we talked about uh, uh, Ephesians chapter number 6, putting on the whole armor of God. And what that was letting us know, what we're supposed to sink into the armor. The armor in and of itself, all, every piece of the armor speaks to Jesus Christ. So as you're putting on armor, in essence, in the Greek, it's talking about you're supposed to sink into the armor like you're sinking into a garment. So how I put this jacket on and wrap it around me, that is me sinking into this garment, right? That's how we're supposed to sink into Jesus. And when I sink into Jesus like that, when I then pray, I am not just praying with just the mere power in my tongue, but I am now praying in the authority of Jesus Christ with a power. Amen? So this is going to bring you up to speed where we are now. So we're talking about the posture of bowing, and we're here in First Chronicles chapter number 29, right? And in the book of Chronicles, it's talking about the genealogies of from, 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 from Adam to, to the first king, that being Saul. And then it really kind of highlights the life of David, the life of David. And where we are in the scripture, we're picking up David is coming to an end of his life, and he's, he's, he's preparing Saul. To take his place. Not only is he preparing Saul to take his place as king, but he's preparing Saul to carry out the provision that he has set to build the temple for God. So he wants to make sure all of this is taken care of before he exits this earth. So this is where we are in Scripture, right? And at this particular junction in Scripture, chapter uh, 29, verse number 10, it begins where David is actually praying. This is the prayer. The prayer starts off. So imagine David saying, now you got to just really kind of just look over. Wherefore, David, right? Bless the Lord before all the congregation, right? So David is getting himself prepared as he's praying. So he's blessing God. Blessing God, right? Giving him glory giving him honor. He's esteeming God, lifting God up, exalting God, letting God know that he's worthy, he's holy, there is none like him, all of these different things. And David said, now this is where the prayer begins. You know how some of y'all pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, mm, no other help I know it alone. You know, I ain't nothing wrong with that. That's how you pray. One of these days, I'm going to hoop on y'all. Y'all going to keep playing, and I'm going to hoop on y'all. I'm going to hoop on y'all. I'm telling you, I've been practicing. I'm going to hoop. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm going to hoop, right? He said, but this is him praying. He said, blessed be thou. You know, some of y'all pray softly. And then there were some of y'all that prayed very, very loud. Father, I take my Thank God you are worth. Just because you got that loud doesn't mean you had that much more power. You just got loud. That's all you did was raise your voice. That's all. So sometimes you got to make it that plain for people. They figure because their voice escalated, they was walking in more power. No, you just raise your voice. That's all. It's like me. When I'm raising my voice up at a different time, I'm just putting emphasis on some of the things that I'm saying. That's all. It wasn't because I was operating in any more power. <laughs> just putting emphasis on some of the things that I'm saying. Why? Because the emphasis is a point I want you to really pay attention to. When I uh, escalated my voice, pay attention to that. 
So David is praying, blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Now, there is something called parts of prayer. Parts of prayer. When you start dealing with uh, adoration and worship, right? You deal with thanksgiving, repentance, confession, and supplication. And all these different things makes up the parts of prayer. So you see the inner workings of prayer. There's so many dynamics to prayer, making sure we do this thing correctly, right? So David is starting off with a part of prayer, this adoration and worship. As he's blessing him, and he says, okay, Lord God of Israel, he's telling God who he is. To adore God, to worship God, is to tell him who he is. So we see this in the prayer. In verse number 11, he says what? Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. My, my, the meat of my message is at the end of this. So I got to work through all of this. <laughs> right? But I just want you to see. This is a prayer. He says, thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. In the Hebrew, he's talking about what? The greatness is speaking to what? His majesty, his mighty acts. Thine, O Lord, is your majesty and your mighty acts and the power, he says, your might and your strength and the glory. And the Hebrew is talking about the honor and the beauty and the victory. And the Hebrew is talking about what? To act as a director or chief or leader, per se. And so if we look at God as being a director, chief, or leader, we understand he's the one that's orchestrating everything. In other words, simply put, he is in Oh, yes. See, it, that will mean something to you. Remember, we told you God said if it means something to you, to move you, right? It will mean something to you because when it seems like your life is out of control and you can't make sense of what's going on and you're trying to figure some stuff out, but if the only thing I had to hang on to was he is in control. See, some days that's the only thing I had when I couldn't track God or trace God. I'm talking about praying, laying on my face, calling on his name. Okay, calling on your name to get your attention. I'm about to just praise you then. Okay, you ain't going to answer my prayer. I'm about to just enter into worship. You ain't going to come to me worship. You said leap for joy. I'm about to start leaping, God. Okay, you know, I'm going to try everything I can try. Okay, you know what? What you did tell me is you honored your own word. You can't overlook your word. So I'm going to give you back your word. So somewhere in there, God is going to begin to respond. Right? But there were days where the only thing I had to hang on to was, you know what? When I can't track him, when I can't trace him, but I know he's in control. My life doesn't, my, now my life is not speaking that. My life is speaking like, oh, what is really going on? Right? But I cannot keep my eyes on what I see in the natural realm. I must. This is a faith thing. He is in control. That's what I have to believe. So he says, for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is dying. Dying is the kingdom, O Lord. And when you think about it, even when we talk about kingdom, kingdom, his kingdom is not just limited to the heavens. Think about when Christ came. Many, 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 many of the Jewish people. Because he kept talking about the kingdom of God is at hand. He was ushering in the kingdom of God, bringing the kingdom from heaven into the earth realm. But most of the Jewish people were confused thinking that Christ was going to usurp the natural king and bring in the natural kingdom. So we got to understand the kingdom of God is not just limited to the heavens, but the kingdom of God is here in the earth realm as well right now. It's here in the earth realm. 
So he's saying, for all that is in the heaven and in the earth designs, thine is the kingdom. Everything that's in heaven and everything is earth, it is yours. All this is your kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Head above all. You reign. Isn't that what William Murphy told us? You reign. You can only reign as being the head above all, right? Give me 12. He says what? Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. So David is saying, because think about it, he's Israel's most famous king, most successful king. And when you think about everything that has been given into the hands of David, when you think about uh, 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 just the riches that, that, that David came across, he understands all of this came about because of you, God. So he's saying, riches and the honor that I received as being king, this came from you. He said, you reign over all, and in thy hand is power and might. He says, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. So what David understands, even as he's praying, I am this great king because you made me this great king. When you think about all the victories that David won in war, he understood, I never went to war alone. God was always there. He preceded us in war. That's, that's why David would go and pray and say, God, shall I go up? He understood, before I make a move, before I move out of my impulse, before I allow my emotions to, to drive me, or before I make a fleshly decision, God, shall I go up? He had to go talk to God. And see, there's some of us, we got to get back to talking to God before you just react. Before you just respond, before you just make a decision, before you just go and do, before you just go. No, you better talk to God. He says, because you know what? You give strength unto all. He understood I needed strength in some of the battles. And that strength only came by way of God. So David understands he's giving strength. Not just in the battle, David understood when his own people, his own Jewish people came against him and he was in a cave and he had to encourage himself, the Lord strengthened him. So he understands strength comes from you. So if you're going to receive strength, it's coming from God. He says, now therefore our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Now, you got to understand all the congregation is present. All the people of Israel are present while, while the king is praying. And we see in a lot of churches, a lot of people don't praise because the leaders don't praise. Right? The leaders don't praise. When they're preaching, they say something that is so good, they want you to jump up and down, shout, run around the church, and dance and all this stuff. Well, if it's that good for them, it ought to be that good for the one who spoke it. Notice, when David started, before he even got into his prayer, he did what? He started blessing God. So we know, according to David, one of the, one of the traits of David, we understand he's a praiser, he's a worshiper, he was a man after God's own heart. He's a, the Bible because he's a psalmist and a prophet. So praising and worshiping God for David was not anything strange or uncommon. This was the norm for him. But while he prayed, unto God, he then gave an opportunity for the people to respond what he was praying. Hmm. 
thought we were supposed to be a participatory church. In the middle of his prayer, he says, Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee. He's praying to God, but in his prayer to God, he's actually giving a verbal instruction for the people. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Out of all the current things that he just said previous to this point, when he gets to this point, he gives the people an opportunity. Because guess what? We praise God because of what God has done. And David is mentioning all the things that you've done. You give strength to all. Riches and glory come from your hand, God. You're the one that makes people great. The earth and the the, the heavens, they belong to you. Thy king, this is your, all this stuff. So he's, he's, he's telling what God has done. Gives us an opportunity for the people to praise God. So maybe, maybe, maybe you don't relate to that right there. So maybe if I just bust out praying, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, God, right? And I began to say, Father, you kept us in clothing, all right, my God. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. It's because of you, God, that we live and breathe and have our very existence, God. God, you kept us throughout the night, God. You kept us in peace of mind, God. And then, so when we pray things like that, we have activity of our limbs, God. Yeah, yeah. We can come and open up our mouths and give you praise, God. We understand there is no God like you, God, that you are worthy of the glory and the honor and the praise, God. And then I bust out and say, now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. And that's where you respond in the middle of the prayer, right? That's what was taking place. Give me 14. He says, what? But who am I? What's really taking place? Before he actually prays, you heard me say he's preparing Solomon to take over the throne. Not only take over the throne, but to make sure he carries out the provision of building the temple. Before they prayed, David, the king, he went into his own pocketbook and he gave willingly. He said, now as a nation, these are all the things that we have amassed as a nation. I have the authority as a king to give it. Because think about it. Different times that they were in war, they were able to partake of the spoil of the enemies that they defeated, right? So as a nation, there were things that they amassed as a nation. He's given that gold, that silver, that brass, this all of this for the building of God's temple. Then he says, you know what? That is not enough. I am the king. Solomon, go get my pocketbook. Go get my wallet, Solomon. Right, you got to think the king is like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I know we gave us a nation, but I, the king, am about to give. Mind you, he's on his way up out of here. But he gave, y'all, an equivalent today, he gave millions of dollars out of his own wallet. Freely. Not because God said, David, give me millions of dollars. He had a heart to do it. In other words, he looked at it like this. I'm not giving because God is demanding me to give. I'm giving because I want to give. I'm giving because I get to give to God. Ooh. 
See, if you look at it like that, I'm giving because I get to give. I'm praising because I get to praise. Maybe the mindset would change. So he's setting precedence before the people. He says, but who am I and what is my people? That we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort. Who am I and who are my people that we're able to give in the manner that we've given? For all things come of thee and of thy own hand have we given. Everything we gave, God, it came from you. We're just giving it back to where we got it from. So I shouldn't have a problem giving you back what belongs to you. Ooh, that's good right there. I shouldn't have a problem giving you back what belongs to you. Whether you're talking about financial or whether you're talking about praise. The Bible says that everything that have breath, praise you the Lord, God. Because I have breath. Listen, I only have breath because you gave it, God. I only have breath because you gave it, God. So when I give you my praise, I'm giving you back breath. Oh, you ain't going to talk to me, but I'm going to talk to you. But everything that have breath, praise you the Lord. Because you gave me breath, I'm going to give you praise. I'm giving you back what you gave me. He says what? 15, he says what? For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. We're strangers. We're only here for a significant time. This is like a shadow. As the sun consistently moves, shadow. It moves, so eventually it's gone. We're only here for a significant time. But while we are here, How are you stewarding your time? Yeah, that's the question. How are you stewarding your time? We just talked about this in Bible study on Wednesday. If time is your most valuable asset, how are you stewarding your time? Because some of us, we, have, we just miss, for example, you know the word to be mismanage my time. If you're mismanaging your time, you're not being a good steward of your time. And what we talked about in Bible said, if you have not made a schedule, the schedule tells your time where it's supposed to go. If you don't have a schedule in your life, then guess what? You are mismanaging your time. You're not stewarding over your time well. You're only here for a brief moment. How are you handling the moment that you have while you're here? Give me verse 16. He says, oh, Lord, our God, all this store that we have prepared to build. When he's talking about, when he's talking about the store, he's talking about all the materials, all the things that we have gathered for the building of your house. He said, all this store that we have prepared to build in house for thine holy name, coming for thy hand, and it's all thy own. All the stuff that we amass, all the stuff that we gather, God, to build you this elaborate house, temple, it really comes from you. So in his prayer, he's showing God, God, I'm grateful that you allowed us to steward over the things that you entrusted into our hands. So the things that God has entrusted into your hand, beyond time, how are you stewarding over those? For example, we oftentimes refer to our children as being blessings. You know, we do. We be like, the children are a blessing from the Lord. Everybody be talking about, oh, children, they're good. No, we've shown you in Scripture that every child is not good. 
Now, that's what the Bible has shown us. Every child is not good. If you got a problem, then you got a problem with God's word. Right? Simple things like that. We're not your traditional church. Traditional church, I should say. I tore that all the way up. <laughs> We're going to come out of the Bible. But if indeed God has given you a child, God has given you a spouse, God has given you a business, God has given you a house, car, how are you handling those things? How are you stewarding those things? Is God pleased with how you're handling what he's placed in your hands or allowed you to have within your hands? Is he pleased with that? In verse number 17, he says, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart. Hmm. Now we're going to get into the meat of this thing. I got, what, 24 minutes? Oh, we're about to go do some work, Mike. He said, I know also, my God, this is him praying, that you try the heart. You examine the heart. Hmm. When was the last time you allowed your heart to be examined? And do you understand most of us, guess what? Your heart has been examined when you have what? Conversation. Communication, you are being examined when you begin to talk about what you feel, why you feel the way you feel, why you feel the way you feel based upon what they said, why you feel the way you feel based upon what you thought they did or what you perceive. Because think about it. Some of us, we have a bad understanding. Case in point, if you assume a lot... Because we learn this in the book of Proverbs, right? The book of wisdom. Huh? An assumption is a bad understanding. Maybe you're not just walking around like, well, I just assume. You may say it in the words, well, I thought. You're assuming. And guess what? Now, my third grade teacher taught me about the word assume. She said, I want you to understand. You see the first three letters of this word assume. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. You can edit this if you want to. It's in the Bible. Ass is in the Bible. I ain't cussing. She said it like this here, when you assume you're making an ass, you're making a donkey out of you and, and, and everybody else. She said, look at the word, you're making a donkey out of you and me. That is the word assume, right? I just spelled the word assume. The first three letters of ass, you're making an ass out of you and me. I just spelled the word, right? So an assumption is a bad understanding. Many people don't want to agree to that. No, the fact that you're assuming all you had to do was ask a question, but you know if you asked the question, the question was going to lead to dialogue. And the reality, you don't want to dialogue. Yeah, you don't, because if we dialogue, we got to deal with the heart of the issue. In other words, why are you really mad? You're not mad that I drank your soda. You're not mad that I ate the last bit of your pizza. That ain't why you really mad. Why are you really mad? And see, some of us, we just need to ask the direct question, why are you really mad? Let's stop skipping around and let, why are you mad? I get tired of washing your clothes. What say you tired of washing my clothes then? No, the truth is, you're not even tired of washing my clothes. You get tired of picking up my clothes and having to wash my clothes. Say that. You a grown man. Stop throwing your clothes in the floor. Stepping out your drawers. Oh, you better come on now. 
Why you mad? I get tired of eating your burnt poo. And you can't cook like that. And I got to stop making you feel good. You can't cook. Can it be okay if we tell you the truth, though? See, the reality, what we know about truth according to the Bible, truth is offensive at times. And guess what? Because we don't know how to handle offense well, we get mad when somebody tells us the truth. But we have learned through Scripture, if I tell you the truth, it is an indicating factor, what? That I love you. I should be able to tell you. Now, I'm not upset if you get mad at my truth. But don't stay mad. See, the problem is when you stay mad. Oh, yeah. You're two weeks done passing. You say, I can't believe. You just slamming both. I can't believe. You say, I can't cook. Yeah, all that I don't do it for you. I work hard. I work five jobs and come home and cook for you. And you got the nerve to say, I can't cook. I told you the truth. You want me to lie to you? Stop taking your nasty potato salad house to the cookout. They don't like it. That's why we keep taking a full bowl of potato salad back home. They don't like it. I'm going to tell you the truth because I love you. These folk keep picking around your stuff. They don't like it. They don't like your little chicken wing. They your little bitty chicken wing. They don't like that. They don't like that. They crusty and have burnt. They don't like that. Tell them the truth, y'all. You baking them too long. Bake them a, a, a minute less. You baking them too long. Ain't got no season on it, you know? Like, tell, you don't have no seasoning. God! I should be able to tell you the truth. Right? But folk, okay, it's not cooked enough. I get tired of having to go to the microwave and finish your job. Thing, God, dog. That's just truth that we deal with. We should be able to tell you the truth. Have your moment. See, this is what I tell my children. I expect you to get mad at some stuff I'm going to say. Have your moment. A moment is not equivalent to two days, two hours, two weeks. No. The devil is a lie. Have your moments. Now, we learn in this movie. Anybody remember that movie called Heat back in the day? Oh, he said, if it takes you more than 10 seconds to walk away, that thing has control of you. If it takes you more than 10 seconds to get over that truth, offense has control of you. Anger has control of you. Resentment has control of you. Bitterness has control of you. Because the next thing is rebellion has control over you. See, when we talk, we're about to examine your heart. Oh, tell me how you really feel. Notice, folk, nine times out of ten, most folk only want to be real when they mad. Oh, I'm just going to be free. Why you want to be free when we mad? We were having a decent, pleasant conversation. Now all of a sudden, voices are escalating. you like... Simmer down, simmer down, come on down, come on, come on down. No, I'm just saying. What are you saying? What are you saying? See, not everybody. See, most of us, let's tell the truth, we're reactionary people. We react to what's given to us. I know me, you give me anger, oh, I'm about to give you a thousand times anger. 
thousand times anger. You just escalate a little bit. I'm coming back. What? You must, you must be crazy. Hitting tables and everything. No! Right? It ain't no lie. It don't need to be lying. Know who you're dealing with. One of the things y'all hear me say, KYP, know your personnel. So you, you know who you're dealing with. Ain't no shame. I am who I am. <laughs> when you hear stuff about me, just pray for me. I said, I'll pray for me. I know also my God that thou tries the heart and has pleasure in uprightness. He's examining the heart. When God comes to examine the heart, will he find you in a state of being upright? Most of us are not upright because of the unresolved issues of the heart, the things that we have failed to deal with. And most of us, it's not a means of failing. You have yet to deal with it. Oh, why do you keep running away from that? Why do you keep telling us, okay, it's not a good time to talk? Well, when is it ever going to be a good time to talk? I came on the weekend. That wasn't a good time. I came after church. That wasn't a good time. I came after you got your release, and that wasn't a good time. Oh, when is it ever going to be a good time to talk to you? I came after the house was clean because you always talking about, well, I got all this to do. When is it ever going to be a good time? I came when you got some new shoes, new outfit. You was feeling good, looking, ah. When is it ever going to be a good time? Nah, not a good time. Nah, not a good time. This is starting to become a reoccurring thing. You see, in most houses, that's what it is. It's just that a reoccurring thing. It's a, it's a, it's a broken, it's a broken record, right? It's a broken record. Right? We said we said the same we said the same thing, but we're never dealing with anything. You wonder why we can't move on. We we are, we we have become prisoners of the moment. There were some of us. No, you said what you felt. You told me exactly what you felt about the situation, and you thought because you said what you needed to say that it's over. Well, I thought I thought there were two people in this conversation. Why I ain't get to respond? Huh? You let me know you really don't want to move past this moment. You're trying to keep me hostage to this moment right here. But are you really free? I'm talking to you spouses now. Are you really free if your, if your spouse still bound prisoner to a moment? Are y'all really free? You thinking everything good, but your spouse, you feel like now you understand why you're dragging them. Because they cannot move forward because they are stuck in this moment. And most of us with our selfish selves, oh yes, I said it, selfish men and some selfish women, you refuse to help your spouse. The Bible says what? When, when, when the two became one, oh guess what? If your spouse is hurt, why don't you see that you're hurting? We're talking about examining the heart. And he said, it has pleasure. He said, as for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. When I gave all these millions of dollars, God, I was not trying to manipulate you. Oh, do you know some of the saints, some of the believers struggle with manipulation? Oh, don't let you want. And you know what the budget is. 
And the budget, because the budget tells our money where we're supposed to go. Don't let you want. You're going to ignore what the budget said our money is supposed to go. And now you're about to do some tricks, hoping that your tricks is about to trick me. Oh, tricks is for kids, you silly rabbit. But you know, y'all know I ain't lying. Most women will come up with a new trick for us men. <laughs> Unexpected tricks at that. Baby, I know you had a hard day at work. <laughs> you come home, baby, I know you had a hard day at work. Oh, man of God, man of God, I know you had a hard day at work. Bring me a hot towel. Put the hot, man of God, man of God, man of God. <laughs> Shut up, your daddy trying to rest. The man look around like, am I at the right house? Oh, who, who child is you? I don't know if that's my child. Right? So we see, now men, we have some manipulated strategy. We're just not as good as women. So David is saying, I ain't giving you all of this because I'm trying to manipulate you. Some of us, that's your struggle. You want that new, new, that new dress, those new shoes, that new jewelry. Hey, stop. Stop. He said, as for me, in the uprightness of heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now I have seen what joy thy people which are present here to offer willingly. It's not just me that gave, but the people followed my leading, and the people came, and they gave willing. Mind you, we have already given as a nation, then David gave as an individual king, and now the people are coming, giving out of their own wallets. If this is for your house, then we about to give it. Yeah. He says, what? We're still talking about prayer and the posture of buying, right? Mike, 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 I gave him some money. He said, <laughs> Oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the hearts of the people and prepare their heart unto thee. Keep it in the hearts of the people what they just saw me as a king do, but then what they themselves did. How we gave willingly to a greater cause. How we gave to something that we didn't directly benefit from. Gave something, gave to something that was greater than ourselves. He said, God, keep this forever in the imaginations of the thoughts of the heart of thy people. And prepare their heart unto thee. Let this keep their heart prepared to give. This is, guess what? God uses money as a means to examine your heart. Money is one of the ways that God examines your heart. Right? Money, time are one of the ways that God uses to examine your heart. So if we talk about time, if you're not giving God time, mm, mm, and if you're not giving God money, I know some people have a problem with the church. All the churches want money. All the churches want money. Everywhere you go, they, people want money. You went to Target, guess what? Target wanted your what? You went to, if you don't do Target, you went to Walmart, Walmart wanted your what? Okay, and when you went to your favorite restaurant, they wanted what? Why? Because you are paying for what? A service. And the last time I checked, this was a 9 o'clock service. Oh, I just said something right there. The last time I checked, this was a nine o'clock service. 
You like music? We gave you some good music. I can't tell you I'm a motivational speaker. No. You say you like the truth. I like the truth. I like to keep it 100. Well, I kept it real with you. I gave you a service. Right? So that way you could take all the taboo out of giving. It's a way that God uses to check your heart. Money and your time. Right? So he says, keep this in the imagination of the heart of the people, God, how we just gave to something greater than ourselves. Give me 19. He says what? Give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart. Don't let there be any holes. Don't let there be any gaps, God. Anything that will cause him to slip up. Let him mature. Although he's young, let him mature in the road that he's about to walk in. He said, to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes, and to do all these things. He needs a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your statutes or your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do all these things. That's why you got to give him a perfect heart. But notice what he put at the end. He doesn't just need a perfect heart to keep your commandments, testimonies, and statutes. He needs a perfect heart to honor the provision, to build you this house for which I, David, have made provision. And when you understand the temple, there was no building like the temple. Nothing like it. One thing about David, David was like, God, I'm not going to let it be so where you honored and kept your word because you told me you would build me a house. You built me a palace for me, the king, to live in. I'm not going to let it be so, God, that I'm not going to honor my word. Well, you know, according to Scripture, God would not allow David to build it. He said, I would take one of your sons and use one of your sons to build, in fact, build the temple. Solomon has this obligation now. And so David understands. He says, so God, give him a perfect heart to carry out the provision of the temple. David understood the importance of the temple. If we don't have a place to worship God, then what are we? We become like every other surrounding nation. If we don't have a place where we can go and commune, pray, talk to our God, have communion with our God, where we can come out of his presence and have community with the fellow believers, God, then we become like every other nation, a pagan nation, a heathen nation, a nation that is filled with idolatry, adulterous ways. David understood that. We cannot let it be so. Give me verse number 20. Hmm. And David said to all the congregation, now, y'all know my beliefs because I've been engrafted into the family, God's family, by the spirit of adoption. I am, I'm part of this Israeli community. Now, I ain't walk around talking about I'm no black Israelite, no black Hebrew Israelite, none of that stuff. No, I ain't none of that. I believe Bible. Bible. And I'm not trying to. Isolate scriptures, meaning I'm not trying to isolate scriptures and make it to mean what I want it to mean. I'm trying to keep it in the context of what God is saying. All right? I've been engrafted into the family of God. We understand Israel with God's chosen people. And so because I've been engrafted in by the spirit of adoption, I'm now part of the chosen scripture from a spiritual perspective. He says what? And David said to all the congregation, now, again, he's praying. And in the prayer, he gives the people enough, a second opportunity. He says, now bless the Lord your God. Well, I just said, hoping that y'all will be in agreement. I 
because of the spirit of adoption happened and grafted into the family of Bilal, I am part of Israel. Huh? Gotta go Hebrew on y'all. I am now a part of Israel. And if you too are a believer, then guess what? You have been engrafted in. You are now part of Israel. So he's saying, now let all of Israel bless the Lord, your God. That's if he's your God. Because see, you know, nowadays we got to ask, who is your God? You could be having a conversation talking about God in general term, thinking you're talking about Jehovah. And somebody talking about a whole number God. Nowadays, you got to be like, name your God. Who is your God? Because my God is Jesus. My God is Jehovah. Who are you talking about? So we know David is talking about Jehovah. He said, now bless the Lord, your God. See, if he's your God, you can bless him. See, we have moments where we act funny with God. I ain't doing God today. Especially when we feel like God didn't give us what we want. We ain't doing God. You angry, upset with God. If you could be upset to, to the day you die, you ain't God ain't about to fall off of his throne because you mad. It's something that God experienced every day, all day, folk being mad at him. And it don't change him from being king of kings. It don't change him from being the king of glory, the creator and the ruler of this whole universe. It doesn't change a thing. He's still chilling with his foot propped up on the earth because the Bible says the earth is his foot. So he's still chilling, got his legs crossed, sitting on the earth. Like, you mad? <laughs> Get over yourself. Huh? He says, in all the congregation, bless the Lord, God of their fathers. All the congregation. See, one thing about Israel, even the children understood we better bless him. Because the parents did it so much that it became second nature. And those of us, we know, most of our children, they, they not, they are familiar with us speaking in our prayer language because we prayed while they were in the womb in English as well as in our prayer language. So when we start speaking in our prayer language around them, they're not moved. They're not afraid, none of that stuff. Matter of fact, most of our children in this church, most of their first words were not mama, dad, dad. Most of their first word was like a four-syllable word, hallelujah. And you're looking like, what the world? You didn't struggle saying hallelujah, but you struggled to my dad, dad. Say daddy. Da, da. Say daddy. But you can say hallelujah clear as day. And you look like, what the world? Let me see what this is. This don't even make sense. The people did it so much till it became second nature for the children. Right? And, and the thing is, praising God. You have broken, most of us have broken our routine or our discipline when it comes to praising God. So, I'm going to remind you, I just told y'all this Wednesday, but I'm going to remind you again something that I had to write on my mirror because God reminded me. He said, listen, what I said concerning your life, the reason why you don't have what I said concerning your life, the one missing thing that you, the reason why you don't have because of what I said is discipline. In order for you to have what I said, be disciplined. If it holds true for me, then it holds true for you. And most of us, when it comes to praising God, we have let an unfortunate situation break our discipline when it comes to praising God. 
We have allowed a situation that we fail to understand break our discipline when it comes to praising God. We, we, we have allowed our emotions to break our dis discipline when it came to praising God. Because the situation got us all emotional and stirred up that we failed to praise God. No, you must rediscipline yourself when it comes to praising God. So he said, and all the congregation blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed down their heads and worshiped the Lord and the kings. Now, kings and lower place were speaking about David. They gave honor. They gave reverence to King David as well. But they had enough sense not to give more honor to him, more respect to him over God the Father. So look at the positions of the word. They bowed down their heads and worshiped the Lord first, then the king. Now, I tell you, my meat was in this scripture right here. When it's talking about bombing, I want you to think about this right here. In the Hebrew word picture for bombing down, it's talking about what? When all the walls are knocked down. So when they bow down, during the middle of prayer, and they begin to worship God, it's saying, I have knocked down all my walls. And see, for most of us, guess what? See, prayer, when you start confessing in prayer, when you start explaining to God or, or, or asking God certain things, what you're really doing in prayer or through conversation or communication is, I'm knocking down all my walls, God. Notice, the opposite Hebraic word picture for wall is talking about a walled-in city, meaning all the defenses are in place. And this when all the defenses are in place, meaning all the walls are properly built up and maintained, this is where you find prideful people. Mm. So what is the posture of bowing down? The posture of bowing down denotes what? It, it, but look at it like this here. Even when you bow down, when I'm bowing down, it is saying what? I'm ceasing to resist. What did I just say? When you fail to bow down, you are proving that you are resisting. Resisting who? You're resisting God. But when I bow, my posture is speaking to God. God, I am ceasing to resist you. The Hebraic word picture denotes that I have just knocked down all of my walls, God. Everything that kept me secure, everything that kept me walled in, everything that kept me protected, God, I am letting it all down so you can come in and invade. Oh, I said something right there. Because most of you, you need God to come in and invade your evil heart, your broken heart, your damaged heart. Oh, yeah. You need God to come and invade the wicked parts of your heart, the perverted areas of your heart, the lustful areas, of, the rebellious parts of your heart, the disobedient parts of your heart, the hard areas of your heart. We need God to come and invade our heart, invade our mind. Why? Because without you, I'm nothing. I need you. So David is saying what? It means to cease from resistance. The Hebraic word picture talks about all the walls are knocked down. But this is what the posture, the posture speaks of. It's the posture of reverence. When I'm bowing, it is speaking reverence to God, humility to God. It's a posture that denotes gratitude. For example, whether you bow down on the knees with your face to the ground or whether you're bowing with the head. Think about it. And if you bow with your head, because most of you, you do this if you still pray over your food, right? Or when you hold hands and pray, you automatically bow your head and close your eyes when the Bible tells us to watch and pray. So 
but some of y'all need to open your eyes while y'all praying. But it's showing you, when you pray, you automatically do what? You've been taught to bow your head. You've been taught to honor God. It is the posture of reverence. It's the posture where I'm showing gratitude. Because when you pray for your fool, like we said, a lot of us have been taught to pray. Thank you for this fool. Right? You know that little prayer. God is great. God is good. Lord, we thank you for our food. Bow our heads. Should be fed. Thank you, Lord, our daily bread. Most of us have been taught to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. You've been taught to pray. So it's important that we pray. So it is a posture that denotes gratitude. And the last thing, it is a posture that denotes acceptance. If I'm knocking down the walls, it's meaning I'm open. I am accepting of you invading. I'm accepting of you coming in. If I'm bowing my head in a, in, a, in a sense of humility or gratitude, I'm thankful and I'm accepting the food that is placed before me. So in like manner, God, as I bow before you, I'm saying I'm grateful. I'm expressing gratitude towards you. I'm, 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 I'm expressing reverence towards you. But I'm also expressing, God, that I accept you. Now, if you're going to accept God, you got to accept everything that comes with God. Most of us try to divide God. I just want God's blessing. I don't want God rebuke or correction. Or I don't want God's judgment. You see, the church has taught us judgment in a negative sense. But judgment is not in the negative sense. God judges the just as well as the unjust. All right? So this is where we got to make sure we're teaching Bible correctly in Jesus' name. Amen? So, y'all got my little saying? My little Brandon had my little saying. Uh, prayer. It's a little quote that we found. Prayer is the way we become aware of and experience God's presence and character. So why is it important that we pray? Because prayer is a way that we become aware of and experience God's presence and character. And it's through prayer that we meet and connect with God. And it's not just meant for us to connect with God, because like we say, your communion. See, this speaks to our communication with God, which pushes us in communion with God, meaning close relationship. Then it should push us. After you connect with God, you should be able to come out and connect with people, have community. So this is why we pray, so that we can have better families, better churches, a better nation, a better world, so that you, I, can be better individuals. Amen?